Thanks for listening to All Things Yoga. Please like and subscribe. If you want to be part of our Patreon Sangha, go to patreon.com. Hillary Lockwood. Spell my first name right. <laughs> this will give you exclusive classes, meditations, as well as discussions just for you. See you soon. things yoga. I'm Hilary Lockwood. So this is yamas part two. In part one we talked about ahimsa. First we have to remember that yamas are ethical moral codes or essentially the way that we behave in the world to each other. And ahimsa is the first one and that is nonviolence, right? And so this being kind first to ourselves because the way that we treat ourselves is almost always, if not always, deliberately or not, the way that we treat other people. So now we start to deal with satya, which is our second yama. Satya means truthfulness. Let's think about that for a minute. So to be absolutely truthful in thought, word, and action so that feels impossible, right? To be absolutely honest in thought, first toward self. That means you would see yourself exactly as you are, that there would be no need or want to change. There would be absolute kaivalya, absolute acceptance, sattvara, right? To accept without exception, to accept without exception which we'll get into a little later. Um, this, this idea of truthfulness is, you know, the sutras say to speak the absolute truth without harming anyone else. And I, I love that, I love that idea because there are a million ways to say the same thing and you can tell the truth but you can also be gentle about it. You can also be kind about it, which I think, you know, there's that phrase, brutal honesty. Well, that's, that's not nice though, right? And so then we break that first rule, which is ahimsa, then we're being unkind. So let's, let's talk about the idea of truth though, because truth is the truth is the truth, right? It's all very relative. My truth isn't necessarily your truth. And the sutras say it so sweetly. They say uh, that the truth is always the same. The seers see it in many ways, right? So we seek it out until we recognize what the big truth is, whatever that means. And to each of us, that might even be different. We have all of these little incremental truths all the time, all day long, every second, actually. Right, we're making choices, we're making decisions that are impacting the way that we're living our life and going through our day. And so all of these little truths that we have throughout the day, those are different than someone else's. Something that I believe in deeply may seem to be completely false to you, right? So I think one of the most important things about satya, about truthfulness, is that you're living in your truth. 
And then eventually what we have to recognize is that that truth, though, is coming from the I mind. It's coming from the ego mind. Often what we stand behind as far as our truth is led by that ego that's saying, but this has to be the truth because. And that because is usually something that's serving our deepest driving desire. The Upanishads talk about that all the time, that we are the sum of our deepest driving desires. And that's something as human beings we can't really get rid of. What yoga wants you to do is show up as you are. And I think this is the sweetest piece about Satya to me. It feels really gentle, right? It doesn't feel dogmatic and it doesn't feel extreme. I mean, thought, word, and action, sure, can feel extreme. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But this idea that the practice, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual practice will meet you as you are is really lovely. Sutra 114 says, practice becomes firmly grounded when well attended to for a long time and in all earnestness. And that last piece, in all earnestness, it means be honest on your mat. Just show up and allow it to unfold you as it's meant to. And that means that that practice that day could be asana, it could be meditation, it could be pranayama, whatever you need, because that's also being honest in practice, honest in action, right? Satya in thought, first, again, just like Ahimsa, we have to look at the way that we view ourselves. Are you truthful about how you see you? And that's not just about saying that you need to recognize the beauty that is you and you need to recognize the strength and the capability that is you. It's also saying you need to dig in and look at the ugly pieces of who you are. And we all have those. You need to dig in and look at your anger and your frustration and your irritation and your disappointments and your traumas and your regrets, etc. Because that's also part of being honest is to say, I have these pieces of me that I honestly don't love. I'm three decades on my mat, you guys, and I'm, I practice because I need it. I practice because I do have sadness, because I do have trauma, because I do have anger, I have resentments, and I don't wanna leave this world with those. I don't wanna have those on my last breath. I practice so that I can learn how to let those go more quickly so that I don't harbor and hold. It's the harboring and holding that does such incredible damage to who we are inside, but then who we are inside is what we then carry into the world, right? I say this all the time, yamas, niyamas, same, same. Ahimsa, satya, same, same. Because you really can't have one without the other, right? You can't be completely honest if you're being mean to yourself because that meanness is you not seeing you. That meanness is you judging. That meanness is you criticizing. Satya in thought toward self. Can I be honest about all of my pieces, the light and the dark, right? The good and the bad. 
until eventually these small truths become an absolute big truth. And then the labels, good, bad, happy, sad, they don't matter anymore because they have no consequence, right? We are at that point in absolute peace, which means we don't need labels anymore. But that also means that we don't really need yamas or niyamas anymore either because the work has been done. The yoga is here, you guys, so that we can practice these ideas because we need to, because we need it. The only reason that we would practice being more truthful is because there is an essence of, of untruthfulness in us somewhere. Now, as yogis, as human beings, I hope, you know, yeah, the, the idea of don't lie, sure, I can absolutely get on board with that. And I think that as yogis, as people, we really do try to live as honest as we can. I'm not gonna lie to people. I don't believe in it. I don't think that it serves a purpose. I feel like lying just weaves this web of lie after lie after lie to, until eventually you can't even keep up, right? I mean, how many of us know someone who is a chronic liar and they honestly start to believe this world that they've fabricated that has no truth behind it. But we have to pay attention to where that may come from also because often that's caused by trauma. So the work becomes, can I dig in truthfully to this trauma to figure out why I'm lying in the first place, why I'm creating a life that doesn't really exist. Barring this place of, you know, being truthful in the world and not telling lies, we will go as far in this one as to say, don't fabricate, don't exaggerate. My husband always <laughs> makes fun of me and says that I'll make it, I would make a terrible witness <laughs> because I just come up with things, right, that I believe are truths that uh, we are gonna, we're putting a floor in the studio and I'm like, that has to sit for two weeks. And he's like, did you just pull that out of your ass? And I don't think I did, but maybe. So the truth is though, right, there it is, the truth is, that was the truth. <laughs> the floor laminate has to sit for two weeks. But I mean, I do this all the time. I, I say five years and it was two years, or I say, we've been together for this long. That also is asatya, which, which means not being truthful. These little fabrications or exaggerations uh, that we make up all the time. We tell half-truths, right? These, these sort of avoiding the absolute truth, but it's almost the truth, but not all the way the truth. That's still a lie, you guys. But those are very difficult, right? To say something as general as, I'll be home in a little while. And that little while is not really a little while. Or to say, um, the one, the, the example I always like to give is, you know, pre-COVID when we would go out after class with all the yogis, I would say, oh, I'm still with all the yogis, which gives the impression that I'm still at the studio and working, but that was not what was happening. We were hanging out, we were visiting, eating food, etc. So, you know, the, the little 
the little lies that our parents told us or that we tell our kids, right? That stand too close to the TV, you're gonna go blind. Not true. So I think it's really important to pay attention to these little tiny lies that we tell all the time. How are you? Fine. Well, most likely if you said fine, that's a lie. Because usually we only say fine if we're really not fine. If someone asks you how you are and you say, I'm good, that seems more truthful. Someone asks you and you say, you know, I'm okay, I'm not great. Also more truthful. We do this all day long and we create this sort of general untruthfulness that has now become the social norm. Start to observe those. Pay attention to those. Are you hungry? Not really. <laughs> right? I mean, they're so silly, but it really matters because the energy behind even little lies, they start to feed what the mind believes. You know, we can trick ourselves into or out of anything and you continue to tell your mind that little half-truths are okay, eventually those half-truths become complete untruths, and now we're lying, right? And this idea of out loud, what you say out loud, well, you know, an example that we talk about often in teacher training is, well, I can't be absolutely truthful at work. You know, for those of you that work in corporate America, there is a hierarchy. And for you to look at your supervisor or boss and say, you're doing a shitty job, I'm better at this than you, that's probably not advisable because you might end up losing your job, right? But is there a way to have that conversation or to say that in a gentle enough way that will not get you in trouble? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And sometimes those truths or untruths make us really turn inside and go, is this worth, is this job worth me having to lie all day? Whether it's to customers on the phone, clients, whether it's to my boss or my supervisor, coworkers, is this job worth me having to not be truthful? I mean, I would hope that the answer is no, but sometimes it just, you know, that choice isn't so easy, and sometimes the answer is yes, but we've got to really pay attention to the damage that that does to who we are as human beings. We get into samskaras, we get into habitual patterns, and lying is absolutely one of them. We do this in trauma to protect ourselves as well, right? We'll we'll sort of half-truth our way into a relationship or we'll withhold. And we have to think about, you know, withholding is still not being truthful. If someone tells you that they love you and you don't say it back because you're afraid, that not saying it back is also not kind to that person. And it's an example that I use all the time. But if you do love them, it's also a lie. And you're lying to yourself as well as them. And that untruth is now based on fear. Fear is paralyzing. I will say it over and over and over again. And it stops progress. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, true progress. So those 
you know, those things that we do to protect ourselves, the, are you okay? Yes. When you're not, you know, have you processed this? Absolutely. When you haven't, are you okay with this? Do you feel okay with this sexual interaction? Sure. And maybe you don't. It's those moments where trauma is deeply set into the body where those truths have to become crucial. Where speaking your truth in those moments, moments that protect you, moments that allow you to be more open and vulnerable in a relationship, moments that create fairness in that relationship to your partner or your person because if they don't know they're making you uncomfortable, how, how can they protect themselves from hurting you? You know, not deliberately, which feels unfair to them and in that moment maybe feels fair to you. It's so, it's so tricky. I would say always, whether it's the beginning of a relationship, the middle, the end, just be as honest as you can be, you know? I mean, it just gets you into more trouble if you're not, especially if there's sexual trauma or domestic abuse or just tremendous heartbreak in your background. You're gonna lack trust. If you've been betrayed before, you're going to lack trust and that's gonna create a wall and that wall is going to create a defensiveness that's not going to allow you for multiple reasons to not be truthful with your new partner or person. But that's not fair to them or you. You know, the truth is, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that, if someone walks away from you because you're truthful about a trauma that you've had in your past, that person does not deserve your love. That person is not strong enough to deal with you as a human being, period. And that, God, walk away. That allows you to walk away sooner rather than later when you're in it. And suddenly, you have to reveal this huge, deep, dark secret that may destroy everything. I mean, sometimes there's just hurt feelings. Maybe it doesn't destroy it, but there are hurt feelings and your partner, your person saying, why didn't you trust me with this? Why didn't you tell me? I could have helped. I could have given you extra support and love, and yet you kept it from me. Trust is truthfulness. Truthfulness is trust. And that means you to you. That means you to others. That means you in the world. Truthfulness in action is living the best version of you that you can possibly live. We should never feel, never feel the need to conform ourselves to someone else's expectation or belief of who we are who they believe we are supposed to be or how they believe we are supposed to behave. And, you know, I have this conversation all the time with people, but I really want to be liked. And 
if I'm who I really am, I don't think they'll like me. I don't think I'll be accepted. I think people will think that I'm weird or strange or that I lack some kind of normalcy. I call absolute bullshit on that. That is also fear-based. And you guys, if you take anything away from any of your yoga, it's to live fully in your weirdness, in your quirkiness, in just be as abnormal as possible because that is what makes you, you. Not honoring the uniqueness that you are as a human being is a lie. It's living a lie. And why would we do that? As a child, I have never, and I know this is going to be surprising to everyone, I have never had an issue being expressive. I've never had an issue speaking my truth out loud. And, but, the, but it did get me in trouble because I did sort of honor this brutal honesty, right? It, which is hurtful. I think little children do this, and it's so <laughs> flabbergasting sometimes what a kid will say to you because you step back and go, holy shit, like, did that kid just say that to me? <laughs> but they have no filter at that point. And in a way, I think that's almost better, right? But at the same time, you can't be a grown-up that's like, hey, you look terrible in that outfit. You better go change. That's the example the sutras use, that instead of saying that, you say, oh, you know, I think you're so beautiful. I think you look better in the blue one. <laughs> Your friend may still take it the same way because essentially you've still said you look really bad in that or that looks bad on you. But you're being honest in a more gentle way. I think as grown-ups, yeah, we have to get to a point where we where we go, where we have to have that, you know, that sort of gentle protection of other people's feelings, to be absolutely honest, without harming anyone. Sarcasm. I mean, we have to be mindful of who we're speaking to and what we're speaking about and why we're speaking it. Is it something that's coming from a beautiful space, a soul's voice? Is it something that's coming from being absolutely honest because you were asked? You know, I always say don't give advice unless you're asked. Don't give your opinion unless you're asked for it because nobody wants it. I mean, the truth is someone, <laughs> I am going to keep saying that, someone, uh, may ask your opinion and recognize if you do this too, may ask your opinion just because they're wanting their actions to be justified, not because they're really asking you to be truthful. And so as I'm feeling this energy in other people, I will say, do you really want me to be honest? Do you really want me to answer that question? And maybe they step back and go, oh, no, I don't think so. I think I'm good. And I have had people say no, <laughs> say that to me. Sometimes it's important to step back and go, D do, you really, do you really want me to answer you? But if they say yes, that's when you are honest. Just be honest in a sweet, 
gentle way. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it a million times. We as yogis, we are more open, which makes us more vulnerable. It makes us, you know, it makes us take things more personally. We get hurt very quickly. I've accidentally hurt feelings with people that I deeply love. And, you know, these relationships have healed themselves, but they still have healing to do. I mean, you know, there are so many examples of just truthfulness in action in a moment that is maybe self-serving or universally serving, but still hurts someone else. How do you choose? If, if this is the right thing to do for the whole, for the overall whole, but still someone is going to get hurt, what do you do? I promise I won't pull too much politics into this, but if you know that the overall whole is to vote or lean one direction, which, you know, we all ha have, have recently had recently been faced with, and yet you know that someone in your family or someone that you're close to is going to be pissed at you because that is the way that you feel. What do you do? Well, I mean, I would always say choose the overall good. Choose the overall truth. Because at the end of the day, it isn't about one. It's about many. It isn't about one separate human. It's about all. It's about all of us becoming one for a better good, for a greater good, right? But you think about that in business too, you know, people get fired and pushed aside and when the overall, you know, corporate America again, maybe the overall good is necessary in the overall good, it's necessary to let go of a bunch of people, which, you know, that's always really hard, I think. COVID was a great example of that. I know so many of you who have lost jobs and or their job titles have had to be rearranged or people who still have or had their jobs had to take on twice as much work to keep it. It's, we've all had to adapt. I think in the midst of that, you know, it's almost as if we're weighing one truth against the other. And again, that's really difficult, right? Because what is the greater good? What is the bigger truth? It isn't just, it shouldn't just be self-serving. It should serve a bigger picture. But I think the only way to do that is to make sure that you are living in your actual truth, right? Does this change make me a better version of me? Does this change make me happier? Does this change make me feel more fulfilled in my life and in serving my soul's purpose? My, 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 right? But if the answer is yes, that does still, even though it's coming from that 
internal deepest driving desire, the I, mine, me, it still allows you to be a more truthful version of you in the world, which allows you to honor the bigger sense of truth in general. We, as yogis, again, we are more vulnerable, vulnerable and we do take things more personally. And I think that's good and bad. I think that can be really sweet, but it can also be really hard and fairly damaging. I've hurt people I've never meant to, you know, and I've said things that I have had to turn around and apologize for. I am a human being. doesn't matter how long you're on your mat. I think when it comes down to it, if you can be truthful in those moments and, and say, I am sorry that I did this, or I am sorry that I behaved this way, or I am sorry that this went this way, even though we are all better off for it, right? It's still... You know, sometimes truth reveals a bigger truth, right? A small truth reveals a bigger truth. It's the peeling of the onion that I always talk about. If I can peel this down to the core of where it's coming from, if I can get rid of this one little half-truth and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one, I can start to feel and be a more honest version of me, Sutra 114, right? The practice becomes well-established. It's firmly grounded when you stay on your mat and when you stay on your mat without coming off of it when things go badly and when you're honest about where you are in your life and what you actually need. Really, really important. Um, truthfulness in thought, word, and action. Is that going to be possible all day, every day? Absolutely not. Is it going to be possible certain points of your day? Absolutely. Is it going to be possible most days? Maybe. I mean, samskara, it's habit, right? Whatever the habit becomes, the habit becomes. Just be sweet about it, because in the midst of satya, ahimsa has to come into play as well. To self as well as others, can I be truthful? I truthfully need my practice. And like I was saying at the beginning, we practice because we need it. I have yet to meet a true yogi that says, you know, I, I just now practice because I'm going through the motions. Those that are steeped in mantra and the sutras and the philosophy of the practice, we do that because it still resonates. And it resonates only because it's striking a chord that needs to be hit, right? If you were completely content, if you were completely truthful, the idea of truthfulness wouldn't need to exist. The idea, if there was no discontent, content, contentment would not be necessary. I hope that makes sense, right? If, if there were no light, all we would know is darkness. 
but because we know one, it's admitting the existence of the others, of the other. That clearly I need to do a podcast on sutras because I'm referring to them constantly today, but the sutras say if you consider a finite mind, then you have to then consider an infinite one. You have to. You cannot have one without the other. We seek truthfulness because there is untruth, because there is dishonesty, not only in us, but in the world. And can we become, yeah, just a sweeter version of who we're meant to be and not hide behind our traumas or our angers or our frustrations and let those out enough to be honest, just be honest, to show up and be honest. <laughs> it seems so simple. Just be honest. Just tell the truth. Harder, much harder than, much harder than that. Yeah, easy, easier said than done for sure. All right. So uh, we have some really sweet upcoming episodes that will be happening. So. Stay tuned for those. I'm pulling in some really amazing human beings to join us and to continue to join us. So I I live in this practice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the truth. I live in this practice because I still process my brother's murder and my cancer and the mental health issues that my children struggle with beautifully successful at this point. They're both doing amazing. But, you know, it's it's all very real. And I think it's why I share my story. It's why it's in my bio. It's why it's in black and white. It's why it's I speak about it. Because the more truthful we are about who we are and what we've been through, the more human we are. And please, please, if I'm not your teacher, recognize your teacher, your teachers as being human. Recognize them as having the same struggles as you do. Recognize that we all share suffering and that one person's trauma or sadness is no bigger than someone else's. That it's all based on our own stories and how we live in those. I encourage you as yoga teachers, I encourage you as students of the practice to be honest about where you come from, to be honest about the path that you travel, because it does allow you to be more human, and it does allow you to live in a place that is more authentically you, be you. Shanti. Our teacher training begins June 11th, runs through July 24th of 2021, Fridays 6.30 to 10 and Saturdays 7 to 5. All of our programs are available virtually if you live far away. Uh, but if you are close to the Chicago studio, uh, we will have in-person sessions as well. We will cover adjustment, alignment, anatomy, uh, philosophy, Sanskrit, how to sequence, 
alignment-based vinyasa flow. Uh, our program really does jump into the integrity of the practice and allows you to leave feeling like at least the beginnings of a, of a true teacher. So join us. Applications available at Hilltop Yoga Teacher Training at gmail.com. Shanti.